0: Welcome to White Line Fever Live, or if you're uh, watching or listening to the podcast, it's uh, White Line Fever Kicks. And um, we're finally getting in a bit of a routine, and the season's almost over, so that's really great, isn't it? Grand final day uh, tomorrow here in the the UK with Saints taking on Wigan. And I want to welcome, by the way, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe and all that sort of stuff, patreon.com forward slash white line fever. Now, our guest, very special guest, very timely guest... Um, we had the opportunity to have him on last week, but I think it's a much better idea this week because his, uh, his uh, great work once were Lions, has uh, now been seen by the uh, the great unwashed um, Tom Magnus from
1: ad hoc films welcome Tom thank you very much for having me, Steve. great to be here
0: no no worries mate so how do you feel is it i've never been a dad I guess I have created something and then and then and then sort of uh, held my breath waiting to see what reaction it uh, it garnered. What, how, how do you feel sort
1: of uh, five days after the event? Uh, I feel really good, I think. You know, um, I think the, the reaction's been positive so far. We've had some nice comments on Twitter. I think a lot of people have, in, have enjoyed the insight that um, we were able to offer. And, um, yeah, I, I, th- I feel happy. You know, it's always nice when you've spent a long time, a lot of unseen hours making something, um, a lot of it locked away in a dark room. Uh, to, to have it out there, so you know it, it is satisfying uh, for sure. Can you um uh,
0: let, let's just do a short sort of background because you're not sort of uh, you don't have talk about background. Your background is not definitely not in rugby league. So uh, I guess the people watching this, uh, be it live, which as I said is probably not many people, or uh, or later, which is hopefully a few more, um, they don't know much about you. So um, what can you what, what can you tell
1: them to fill them in? Well. I, I grew up in East Anglia, so near Norwich. Um, not really a, a rugby league heartland. Uh, I suppose I was kind of interested in sport as a kid—football, rugby union, uh, that kind of thing. I've worked as a filmmaker, I guess, for the last twelve, thirteen years, and and sort of slowly worked my way up. And uh, recently, I've made some made some films for TV, um, mainly about sport, uh, boxing. I've made two films for BBC about um, the boxer Carl Frampton. And that, that's been a, an amazing experience. And they were, they were pretty well received, I, I think. And I made one for Amazon Prime about um, the uh, Sahara um, Desert Race, about the marathon to Saab. Uh, and, um, and, you know, this is the first venture into a new sport. And it was, it was fascinating. It was a really, you know, it was so privileged to be um, allowed into that environment, At you know, the elite end of, of such a fabulous sport. So what were the origins of this project?
0: Where did this uh, idea come from?
1: So it came from our executive, one of our executive producers, Mike Benson, um, who is a massive rugby league fan and I think felt that there hasn't been enough you know, documentaries about rugby league in this country, certainly in England. Um, and he got in touch with our company, Ad Hoc Films. Uh, you know, we, we specialise in you know, observational documentaries, which maybe touch upon wider issues just outside the sport as well. And um, we took a punt on it, really, because it was all quite last minute. You know, the Lions tour sort of seemed to kind of come about quite quickly. And we didn't have anyone on board commissioning it at, at first. So we just thought, look, it's a great story. It's a great opportunity. And um, let's go for it. And that's how it came about, really.
0: And then you go to the Rugby Football League, do you? And you sort of say, I want to make this film. And then is there a bit of back and forth? How, how, what happens after that?
1: yeah. There, there was. Um, I believe. I mean, I wasn't so privy to that, but I believe you know we were dealing with Andy Wilson, who I, I think seems seems like a great guy, very forward thinking, and was very keen that we did this documentary, and he was very open with us. Um, and the RFL were very open with us. I think they felt it was it was going to be a good thing to do, and you know, uh, uh, give people an opportunity to see these players up close, and and you know, I guess they had. High hopes for the tour as well, and thought you know, this could be quite an epic film, um, in just in, in terms of following a team. So, yeah, that's how it worked. They, they agreed full access with us, and, and we went from there. So, yeah, we had their backing from, from the moment it started, really. Right, and, and and then so
0: after that, at what point did the BBC come on board? Because I'm it's not an uh, inexpensive exercise to go out to uh, New Zealand and Papua New Guinea to make a film, is it?
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I guess there was, there was a point after the tour, you know, two of us have been out there filming it, um, you know, tried to keep costs down as much as possible, but it's still, it is expensive, obviously. And there was a point when I think maybe we felt, oh, God, you know, this, this could amount to nothing. But um, fortunately, we showed the BBC some of our footage and, um, you know, talked to them a bit about where we wanted to take the film. And and they loved it. I think that they they bought into it, and um, and we received a commission, and and went from there. You know, then when then we had a bit more money coming in to, to edit the film, and and that's how it works.
0: Right, and and um, I don't know where, whether to continue on, you know, at the end of the story, or to go back to the start again. But but you know, um, Wayne Bennett is. You know, he, there are so many shots of him putting. Um, you know, some covering, a rag over a dressing room camera in the NRL. He, you know, he doesn't seem to be a, a fan of having flies on his wall. Um, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, dealing with, with him? And he wasn't interviewed uh, for, for, the, for the movie. Um, what, uh, what, what, what can you tell us about that?
1: Well, I mean, so Mike Benson, our exec producer, went and had a meeting with Wayne Bennett before we before we obviously set foot foot in New Zealand, and Wayne said, "Look, I, you know, I like I like the idea." He was very he's very pro international rugby league, and he felt it was a good idea. And when I got out there, I had a conversation with him. He he did say to me, "Listen, I don't mind you doing this, but I don't want to really feature. I want this to be much more focused on the players. You know, I I'm, I want to be more periphery, and you have to respect those boundaries as a filmmaker. Obviously." With the pedigree that guy, you know, that Wayne Bennett's got, it would have been nice to have had a bit more of him in the film, and you know, maybe heard a few of his insights. But you have to respect those boundaries, and you know, he allowed us in the change room. He was he was fine with us being there, and we got great access, and you know, uh, which which was you know crucial to the film. Um, I, I was saying to someone else earlier that first first thing I really saw of Wayne Bennett was um, a photo shoot, and that all the players are doing headshots and lining up and having to pose in different ways. And the, the Kiwi photographer who was taking the pictures, you know, was making him do this, that. And Wayne Bennett stands up, it comes to his turn. And he's like, you've got one shot of this, mate, one shot. And, the you know, the cam the photographer takes the picture and he sort of says, uh, oh, I think it might be out of focus, but Wayne Bennett's already, he's already off. And he just said, sorry, mate, that was a chance. And I just thought, God, this guy really... <laughs> it doesn't mess about, you know what I mean? So, yeah, he's, he's a really interesting guy and you can tell that he commanded a huge amount of respect from the players and I think it's nice that we, we got to show a bit of him in the film but, you know, we had to respect the boundaries.
0: Yeah, I noticed uh, Jermaine McGilvray as well after missing a tackle, a crucial tackle, I think it was at Eden Park, he told you to get the camera off him uh, when he was in the, in the dressing rooms. Um, were there a few moments like that where the guys, because it wasn't a successful tour, where the guys got a bit testy?
1: No, I mean that was that was really the the only moment I, I felt it, and you can understand why it happened. I was in the changing room after he'd made you know he'd he'd made a sadly an error that had had cost the match, and he obviously felt awful about it. And you know you, you're doing your job and take, filming what you can, and you know he didn't he didn't like it in that moment. And I think it shows the raw emotion of of what he was going through. So you know that's why we left it in the film. Um, I had a conversation with him afterwards, where I apologised, and and he actually apologised to me and said, "Look, I'm so sorry, you know." And he seems he he is just a really nice guy and a very resilient bloke, and I'm sure he will come back from that. I'm sure, you know, he already has come back from that. But um, but yeah, on the whole, I think people were quite on board with us doing it. You know, the, a lot of the players were coming up to us saying, "This is great." You know, we haven't had anything like this. Tom Burgess was loving it. You know, James Graham was always super friendly with myself and Lloyd the other cameraman and most of the players were occasionally you find yourself sort of chasing someone around a hotel to try and get an interview I remember Jackson Hastings sort of you know trying to avoid me at all costs at one point like he was like yeah yeah I'll come and do it now and then just jumped into a lift and I was like oh and eventually got him but you know what I mean it's just normal things you'd expect but I think on the whole everyone bought into what we were doing which was really nice.
0: Um, A friend of mine Joanna Lester did a film on the Papua New Guinea team at the 2017 Rugby League World Cup, the women's team, Power Mary, and um, they didn't win a game either. <laughs> and I, I, I asked her, like, um, does, does your heart sink as the losses pile up and, uh, are you, you know, you're not going to have this kind of <coughs> cliched, rocky-type, you know, um, narrative that it's going to be something very different and maybe something you're going to have to work a lot harder to sell to people and to, and to put together yourself.
1: Yeah, I mean... There's no better place if you're making a sports documentary than, you know, being in a changing room after a team has won or, or a player or whoever, you know, has won a big win. It's, it's just an incredible atmosphere. It's an incredible thing to capture. And obviously, sadly that didn't materialize this time around. And you do, you know, you do kind of go on the journey a bit with the players and it does, it does hurt. It is a bit gutting and, and a bit frustrating not to, not to get that. And it's, it's pretty horrible to be honest, filming, in a changing room like that after a loss, especially after the third, you know, fourth loss. Um, and and, you, and you're, you, you do feel a lot. Um, but yeah, it, you know, it's definitely tough and it's, it's a shame it didn't materialize. And I hope that, you know, I get to be in a changing room again in, in a similar environment with, with some of those guys and, and film, you know, a victory. That would be amazing.
0: Um, rugby league people, particularly in this country, are, are fascinated, or- some obsessed, hopefully mostly just fascinated, with the view of outsiders, you know, that how the things, the observations that people like yourself make when, when they come into contact with the game intimately, you know, for the first time. Um, can, you, can you list us a few things that surprised you about the athletes and the sport and the culture um, and, and just the whole environment?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, firstly, the sport, it... You know it 's something i 've been aware of, but i 've never really sat down certainly recently and watched much rugby league and just the sheer physicality the sheer brutality of of what happens you know in every minute of a game and just how fit these guys have to be if who play it um, that really took me aback um, i think I think also you know some of the characters there was something I loved about it in that you know i've I, something quite unpolished I think about um rugby league players in general like they're not sort of particularly media trained I didn't feel Um, and that kind of gave some really interesting interviews uh, meant that we had some really interesting interviews where people weren't really holding back from what they felt they weren't sort of giving me just bog-standard answers and and I I found a lot of them and I feel I don't want to seem like I had stereotypes but I I found a lot of them just really intelligent and and I was, yeah, I was a bit surprised by, by, some, by some of that. Uh, I'm, I, I mean no disrespect by saying that. Um, interestingly, I, I found a couple of the players who play in Australia to be a bit more media trained um, and, and maybe didn't kind of let their guard down as much, uh, which, which, you know, was an observation I made. Um, and I, I just think the other thing culturally was just how much, you know, how close they are to their fans, to the, you know, to the fans back home. Everyone feels, you know, very connected. Zach Hardica says it in the film. You know, you, you can be, you're very in and amongst it. You can be living next to the joiner next door or you can go to the same supermarket as your, your childhood mates. And, you know, there isn't that massive disconnect that I think there is with, say, footballers and, and their communities. Um, so I think, you know, that, that stood out as well. How did, how did the story you set
0: out to tell differ from the one you ended up telling? Like... We all like to let a story tell itself and you just gather enough raw material so that you're just the vessel and the story tells itself. But it's rarely that organic, really, you know. So you obviously have to, you know, you have to sort of have a direction and a, and a sense of a narrative. And when you're covering the return of a team and it's a dismal failure, um, you have to change direction and course, I'd imagine. How, can you talk us through that kind of um, creative process?
1: Yeah I mean I, I definitely approached it quite open-minded I, I like to take the approach that you just sort of you know let the camera you know you follow the camera and see see where it takes you a bit but you know you, you have a few ideas about what you're hoping might happen and you know I think there was, a, there was a hope from us that maybe it would it would reignite you know a successful tour might reignite a bit more interest in the Lions and you know, might might do something back home, and and you know, I think because of the results, that didn't really happen. So yeah, that was one hurdle certainly to to take um, take on board. But I don't, you know, we always wanted to explore a bit of you know things around class identity, um, you know, the physicality of the sport. So it didn't it didn't you know completely change where we wanted to go with it. To be honest, um, yeah, I think that that's probably sums it up. Tony Collins uh, said some great stuff in the film. One thing, the, the rugby historian, he was on this
0: program about a month ago, but um, one of the things he said was that the north of England has given the world so much as far as, you know, culture and industry and, and, and what has it got in return, you know? And we look at now with the, 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 just today the announcements regarding the lockdowns and blah, blah, blah. How much did you want to get into that? Was that something that you suddenly found you know, like I know it's very tough because you did address some specific rugby league issues, but we've got one question here on Twitter I'll ask you in a minute, but you didn't go that far. And on the other hand, you kind of did touch on some of those wider social issues, but you didn't, you couldn't, I know, you, you couldn't. it wasn't possible to go that far either. So did you find the two kind of, um, two sort of pressure points sort of tugging at each other? You don't know how much rugby league detail to go into, but you don't, also, know how much broad brush stuff
1: it either. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's part of getting that balance right. You know, you don't want to, you didn't want to go too heavy into either of those um, subjects. You, you, I think it's nice to kind of talk about it a bit and and let you know people maybe make up their own minds or people give people something to think about. Um, you know, the, the the sort of subject of of the north of England and what it means to the players, I think, is pretty evident throughout you know just the way they they talk so passionately about where they grew up Zach Hardica talking again about you know when times have been tough at home that you know back in the towns where he grew up that you know rugby league is kind of it's, it's a constant you know it can be a bit of an escape but I think I think that's just something that's that uh, you know it really emerged is that you know rugby league no matter what's been happening it's just something that people feel so connected to and so passionate about and it's so important, you know, it's so important the future of these clubs and, you know, to, to the local community, but also just to, to England as a whole, I believe.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, the other thing I was going to ask you was, um, the, the, it, it, went, it went to iPlayer, but as far as I know, it hasn't actually been broadcast on,
1: on, the, um, on the BBC. Is that, is that right? Is
0: that, how does that work?
1: Yeah. So it was, it was a BBC iPlayer commission. Um, So they, you know, they take certain things just, you know, without broadcasting them, I I guess, you know, maybe if the numbers are good and um, certain things fall into place, I think it could, it could well um, appear at some point on BBC one or two. Um, And let's hope that, let's hope that happens. It's also at some point we will be taking it internationally to an international audience and um, there's already talks in place, but again, I'm not, it's not really my remit. I'm sort of more on the creative side, I guess. Um, but that will, you know, a lot more people will get the chance to see this film. Now, a question, uh, and I guess I might
0: have spo- spoiled his thunder a little bit there, but it's Andrew Foster. His question on uh, Twitter was, I'll just scroll down here. Hi, Tom. Great doc. Many thanks. Did you consider
1: covering the Regan-Grace controversy? Um, yeah, I guess at the time, I didn't really... Uh, yes, we did a bit. Um, but there's only so far you can go with that, and I think I think um, you know we we did make the point in the film that it was largely an England side and basically was an England side, and and you know maybe hinted at where rugby league needs to go and where the Lions might need to go if if it's going to be successful in in the future. Um, Regan Grace himself, no, we we didn't want. I don't think it would have been, I don't think it would have been quite right to have gone into it, but you know certainly it's maybe something we could have talked about. And I remember Wayne Bennett being asked a couple of questions about it in press conferences. So we could have gone that way, but, um, but no, I, I didn't, I'm sorry. I don't know if that's sort of, if that's a reasonable answer to, um to Andrew, there. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, but it's, I mean, look, there's the history of the Lions. Welsh players have been so, so critical at various points of history to, to the Lions. And I think it is, it was massively lacking, you know, the, the sort of other players from home nations in that team. And I do feel that certainly the more I, the further I got along with making the film, that you know, I think it would be a much more, much more successful and widely watched um, concept if there were more home nations players in it, because that way you, everyone gets behind it much more. And you want to see how, you know, the likes of Regan Grace play in and amongst those English players.
0: Can you give us just some general impressions about where the game in this country finds itself right now as we sit here you you as an outsider what 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 conclusions were you able to draw about you know the state of rugby league i guess in the
1: northern hemisphere uh, based on based on your experiences and based on my experiences and you know i think it's it's an amazing game i I I'm personally now a fan, like I'm going to watch the grand final this week. I, I think it's, it's a wonderful game. And I think it's, it's maybe just a game that's, you know, it's very passionately supported in certain areas. And it's just interesting that it hasn't maybe quite cut through in, in other areas of of, of the UK. And I don't know how it, how it goes about doing that particularly. Um, but, you know, I think films like this will hopefully help it and I think Rugby league lends itself to great human stories and and obviously great historic stories as well. And I hope that there might be some more documentaries like this. I hope that maybe you know we could follow a club or or you know follow England, which is in in the talks at the moment at the next World Cup. And I think you know by showing the public you know these people up close, these players up close, you know it it, it makes them sort of more invested in in people. I think it's a you know it's important that stuff like this happens in future. and I don't know about the state of the game, to be honest, Steve, you know, I think it's, it's a great game. It's, you know, it is immensely popular in certain areas and I think it's got a good future um, because it is just a great game at the end of the day. Like it's a spectacle, it's brilliant to watch. And I can't see, you know, I think the line at the end of the the film, I love, which is um, Bubble, one of the coaches, he says, you know, rugby league's been around for 125 years and I'm sure that it will be around for 125 more. And I, I, do, I do feel that and I do hope that.
0: Yeah, I, I think when uh, I spoke to you, my, I was a little more pessimistic about that. But uh, let's, um, let's talk about the future. Um, let's, I've had people in Australia say, when are we going to be able to watch this? Um, very hard to watch BBC iPlayer in Australia, so much security. Um, so when will people outside the UK uh, <laughs> be able uh, to watch it?
1: I'm. I'm not entirely sure. I have to be honest. It's you know. It's not my. Uh, it's you know. Not my decision that. But I think, I'd. Have, I'd hope at some point. You know, next year. Um. So please. You know. Please do tweet about it when when that opportunity happens. I'm sure that there You know, be plenty of people over there because it's obviously immensely popular. I talked to you a lot about that in in our interview. You know how popular it is over in Australia, and I guess that's a whole, a whole other documentary in itself. You know, comparing, rugby league over here to over there. I'm sure it's something you talk about quite a lot.
0: There's um, before you go. There's a fantastic scene where the boys uh, go to meet the Maori king. I, I think it was in Auckland, and uh, and they and they have to sing a song back to him. And they decide somewhat cheekily that they're going to sing sort of a, a, a cheesy pop song uh, back to him. And then when they get there, they they have second, third, fourth, and fifth thoughts about, about their decision to do it, but it's too late to change. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, shooting that scene and your memories of that day?
1: Yeah, I just remember getting on the bus and um, someone saying, oh, we've, you know, it was Bubble actually saying, we've got to sing this song back to the Maori King. And he was handing out sheets of paper and it obviously agreed what song they were going to sing before. Um, I believe it was some something which meant something to them in, in the england dressing room um and the so song, the song is a lovely song but i don't know if it was quite right for the occasion i was just obviously filming them practicing the song thinking oh my gosh this you know they, they're so out of tune i thought this is going to be this is going to be a great scene you know i honestly thought that and obviously when they got there they were welcomed by a kind of hacker and it was very formal very serious and um I think they did start having second thoughts, but fair play to them they they got through it and i think they did i think they did okay uh, but i've immensely enjoyed that day for sure.
0: Is there anyone from the tour you've stayed in touch with since mate that you've sort of become friends with
1: Not playing wise um i think you know uh, but bubble um the co- you know the strength coach i've I've stayed in touch with him i've, I've spoken to him a lot, and he's someone i'm i'm hoping i'll stay in touch with him for a long time he's a great guy but I, I would have you know i think you have to keep a bit of a professional distance and i really enjoyed getting to know james graham and zach and jermaine and and ollie gildart was another another guy who always was really friendly with us and there was there were so many of them i really liked but no I, I haven't really other than other than bubble haven't really stayed in touch with anyone and Gemma, the uh, the physio i've spoken to her a couple of times so, Tom,
0: before we go, is there anything you'd like to plug? Any uh, you, you want to plug any social media or anything to do with ad hoc films? Um, anywhere people can uh,
1: contact yeah, you? I, well, sh- that, that would be great. I just wanted to say that Ad Hoc's next venture is um, a film about Manchester United, um, seen through Eric Cantona's eyes. I think it's going to be really exciting, um, talking a lot about the history and how the Munich air disaster sort of shaped the club. Um you know some really big names in that and I, I, I'm part of the team making it, uh, directed by Matt Hodgson and I think that's one to look out for early next year. Thank you very much Steve, I really appreciate that.
0: No, no thanks uh, and when you do uh, launch in Australia or when it comes out on DV, come back to us and uh, we'll do what we can to promote it, it's a, a really great, a great piece of work so uh, thanks everyone for joining us and thanks for joining us Tom.